Welcome to the Digital Solicitor Podcast with me, Christina Grasco. The question today is whether technology has fundamentally changed the practice of law and what it means to be competitive. I've worked in this profession for over 25 years, both in practice and in legal tech, and have not seen a change period like the one we're currently in. Our ability to weather the pandemic has been grounded in technology, and like all big change events, it's creating a lot of new opportunities to work differently. Competition is at an all-time high in the legal market, with tech the key to running and enduring legal practice. But not everyone feels confident about the technology piece, and some simply do not welcome the fact that there are new legal startups that look and think differently because customer expectations have been changed by recent events. Law firms tell me sometimes that they aren't really sure going all-in with tech is a good thing to do, as their experiences to date have been mediocre but they also see others doing exactly that, and this keeps them awake at 3am, fearful of making the wrong commercial decisions. So what are other firms seeing? What are the missing pieces in the conversation? And why are we and they so certain that the answer to competitiveness and financial viability is tech? I have invited Adrian Jardine, who's the new business operations manager, Philippe UK, and Alex Maitland, who is the sales manager, Philippe UK, to discuss this, as they are well-placed to provide some guidance. So thank you both for giving us some of your time today, and I think it would be helpful if you could explain a little bit about what you do and the level of contact you both have with law firms on a daily basis. Uh, Yeah, thanks, Christina. You hit a lot of really important points there. Personally, I've been tackling these issues with firms face-to-face for around four years. I've probably seen upwards of three, 400 firms. The the question of tech is always very, very present uh, in everyone's minds. Over the last 12 months especially, I'd say that the, the question has gone in completely into overdrive, just lockdown. It's also gone from technology that's evolved from something that could have been nice to use to an absolute necessity, especially when it comes to delivering the the level of service that firms are used to doing, but now without that face-to-face interaction. As for me, I've been involved with technology for well over a decade now. I've spent nearly five years in the legal technology industry in a variety of roles. Those vary from introducing new systems to fledgling and established law firms uh, up to ensuring that those businesses are using technology to its fullest. In all of those roles, I've come across a lot who, as you've already mentioned, can be reluctant or maybe anxious about change, especially with this current climate where they feel it's forced upon them. So really looking forward to having this compelling discussion with yourself and and Alex today. Let's pitch straight in with the big question. Do you think technology has fundamentally changed the practice of law in the last 12 months? I would say legal practice has changed more in the last decade, especially the last eight years, than the previous 40. I mean, no one can deny that that's very, very heavily down to technology. The, the last 12 months especially has seen that curve get dramatically steeper. But like all good innovations in the world, it was born out of necessity. Things like flexible working, for example, pre-pandemic, a very small number of firms comparatively were actually offering this as part of daily life. But now during the post-pandemic, that's had to go to all firms. And a lot of those firms weren't necessarily ready for that to happen quite as quickly as it did. And the, the big differentiating factor between firms that could and couldn't was obviously technology. Yeah, but it, it doesn't just affect the staff, you know, and the practicality of being able to do a job. It's it's also how you provide a service to your clients, you know, how, how you interact with them, how you maintain a high standard without that face-to-face element. 
Yeah, I mean, absolutely. The, uh, if, there, if there's one good thing that comes out of this pandemic, it's that businesses and, and clients as well, they've, they've all realised that they can be much more flexible with things without having to sacrifice sort of the level of quality of service that they deliver. And above all, I think a lot of firms have realised that their, their processes aren't made of, made of glass, which I think a lot of them previously they did. I actually read the other day that I think it's now 43 of the top 50 employers in the UK are now offering a fully hybrid model, even once we go back to no social distancing and everyone can be in the office together. I think it's giving people that flexibility. It's not just going to be a bonus anymore, but it is, it's going to kind of be expected. If people were working from home, then they'll also expect to be able to do and access their everyday services equally from home as well. The obvious way of facilitating this is, is a more truly native environment. I mean, especially with this new generation of clients, it's things like interactive portals and mobile access, being able to pay online in your own time rather than having to call nine to five and, and wait for things. I mean, especially with these emerging generations, that, as I said, they've come to expect this as normal rather than as, as a bonus service that's being offered. This was even prior to the pandemic. It's just, as I said, everything's kind of gone into overdrive due to it. Yeah, you know, I, I don't think many people disagree with that. I, I, I don't think many people take stock of how ubiquitous technology is in their everyday lives. I mean, you know, like, especially over the last 14 months, ordering food online, and, and before that, booking an appointment with your GP. I mean, even, you know, my, my hairdresser, they take appointments online as well. And traditionally, the legal industry has perhaps been a bit more reluctant than others to, to make that change. Uh, but as you say, this current generation and the ones to follow will have, and probably already do have, an expectation expectation embedded in their minds of how any service should be delivered, which is to say instantly and uh, to use your word native to what they're used to using. So phones and computers and the like. Okay, so you're both clear that technology is changing legal practice at a fundamental level. I think it's actually on two levels, which you've touched upon there, which is internally and client facing. So I'd like to look at more closely at each in turn. Now, internally, three things have locked together to provide a robust structure that enables firms to work well, whatever life is currently throwing at them. And that's cloud working, process automation and accessible business intelligence. And I think the first and most fundamental change is cloud working, isn't it? Which shifted from being recommended to essential to survival in the last 12 months. The remote working revolution has been absolutely forced on the whole world, not just the legal industry, uh, potentially sooner than everyone was ready for it. But it has highlighted that our institutional structures, as I said, they're not made of glass and they're far more adaptable than we realized that they were going to be. I mean, when, when lockdown was first announced, we, we saw most firms found themselves in one of two camps. It was either those who had adopted tech early, again, using things like modern cloud working and then some in slightly older like virtual environments that still gave them that flexibility to be able to go home and work. But this meant that the, the transition to working from home was pretty much seamless for people who were who were ready for it and already had the technology. But, but again, these firms we definitely saw were in the minority. Most firms are had more traditional sort of server-based setups, uh, very, very paper-reliant, paper-heavy, obviously much, much harder to work from home. I'm sure they'd be the very first ones to admit that suddenly having a fully remote workforce was, was a massive challenge for them. Uh, I actually know many firms that had to keep working from their offices, even, even on day one of lockdown, they, they just didn't have the infrastructure there to send everyone home and work. Their only real sort of like practice solution to COVID was to, to, to COVID-proof the office as I said, and then sort of persevere through things. This uh, this was really, really stark example of this was the, the advantage of those who had previously adopted technology long before it was necessary. And no nobody bought good cloud software originally or the ability to work from home. It was always just a bonus, but it was unexpected benefit, I think, of those early adopters. Yeah, I think it's funny you mentioned that because 
hindsight's a wonderful thing. I think one thing we talk about all the time is before the pandemic, but it's uh, it's just terminology we're getting used to now, that before and after. But before that pandemic hit in the first lockdown, we probably didn't consider that the ability to work remotely uh, and seamlessly was a driving factor for those who were adopting technology for their business, for their law firm. But it seems to have raised itself now as an added bonus for those who invested previously, who likely you know would have adopted it in the first place for entirely different reasons, like practice efficiency. You know. So technology is a great enabler of specifics as well, like process automation, which doesn't sound very interesting, but it is one of businesses' game changers. So can you perhaps describe what process automation is and, and why it is important to go all in on this? So some people get mis- mistaken when they think about process automation. It's not sort of a computer doing your work for you at all. I mean, no, nobody's going to replace lawyers actually practicing law. Well, not yet anyway. But um, it's it's much more for that eliminating non-billable work. So the whole idea is that uh, as a FIANA, the, the main commodity that you trade in is your time. So much non-billable time is absolutely wasted and spent on things, on really repetitious tasks at the moment. And I'm sure every FIANA listening completely agrees that the things just just like drafting forms and, and the amount of times you have to copy and paste the same bit of information from one place to another. Process automation is is, is all about you do you doing the you making the decisions and practicing law, but the system doing everything else for you, all the admin, all the repetition of data entry and and sort of uniforming how you work in in the style, but not the actual work itself. So you're still adding that the value of, of, of your profession, of your expertise, but the system is just taking care of all of the, that, that additional stuff that is just, as I said, repetitious. Traditionally, this kind of work is, is farmed out to support staff or secretaries and paralegals, things like that. But the, the, you're, you're paying that person's salary. I mean, every single firm that we, we, I've met at least, their biggest overhead, and quite rightly, is, is salaries, and it's always going to be. But the, the idea with good process automation and actually using utilizing technology in this way, it means that as you expand, you have fairness. You don't need to, you know, that, that ratio of fairness to support stuff definitely changes with technology. And, and most of the time that's through reskilling support staff. And as I said, the, the, the aim is never to sort of downsize a firm, it's, it's, but to reskill and, and just increase in profitability. As I said, it's, uh, your, your commodity is your time and that's, that's what process automation gives you back as much as possible. Okay, so we've we've identified cloud, we've identified process automation, and I think the other key thing is accessible business intelligence. That's become crucial with everyone working from home, but it often went missing, didn't it, because of information getting siloed in different homes. So what is the crucial business intelligence and how can firms improve their access to it? For me, my definition definition of business intelligence is is it's really two sides of the same coin, um, but they they both revolve around the same thing, and that's obviously data. These are keeping on top of things of how you're working day to day. That that's obviously internally, and then equally of how you're managing your clients and your potential clients. Now, business intel is is equally important to firms from who who work in the office to those who have an entirely remote workforce. In fact, in fact, I would say for ones with an entirely remote workforce, it's probably even more important because you don't have that visible oversight of your of your of your staff. With firms that are working from home, without the correct tools, it's it's infinitely more difficult to gather and accurately, especially to do that in real time. You know, in contrast to Alex, what one thing I did in um, uh, throughout 2018 is I managed the collaboration team uh, at Leap UK, and what we did we we helped introduce the web portal to the UK market. And what I did is I dealt every day with firms trying to find a way of engaging with not only existing clients, but also leads and referrals to generate uh, more business because we were finding that a lot of decision makers at firms, uh, people who were starting up had the intuition to know that they they were treating their business as such like a business with leads and uh, people that need to 
to convert from a prospect into, into a paying client. And sometimes I think we, we avoid this fact, but at the end of the day, firms are businesses and finding new ways of increasing profitability is fundamental to building an enduring practice. Uh, and in reality, there are, I suppose, two main ways of achieving this. Uh, and one is obviously to bring in more new business and uh, increase the profitability of your existing work by becoming more efficient. Yeah, it comes back to, as a solicitor, your, your time is what you trade in. Uh, I think really understanding where your staff are losing time is not something that a lot of firms have immediate oversight of and immediate access to. And it takes a lot of drilling down, whether that's through repetitious tasks, inefficient client inquiry processes, whatever it is. The, the only way to make informed decisions on how to improve those things is with the data that shows where that time's going, where the process is falling down. And that, that, that having accessible business intelligence that's passively collated, I think is one of the most important things. Because again, it's, if you ask the earners to, to record all this stuff, like who has time Who has time to add that onto their workload? That's more super not billable work that they're, they're going to have to add on. Whereas technology enables you to passively collate that and actually analyze it without having to spend any more time actually achieving that. It's well and good, but it's, um, I think it's also important to clarify just, you know, a little bit more. All of that's only possible, you know, with, with accurate data and not only accurate data, that, that just to look at, but to analyze live in real time, uh, as well as sort of uh, retroactively looking back historically, just to make sure that the business is assessing where it's come from, where it's at now, and is able to define how they might make those correct decisions moving forwards. Obviously, this is this is, can only be done with impeccable admin, as, uh, as I mentioned. Let's face it, no one's got real time to do that. The the only way of said passively recording that is through technology. I'm sure there are some firms out there who have absolutely mastered the the process of recording every single thing they do without it impacting their their billables. But uh, uh, yeah, those will be few and far between. I mean, firms should just use a system that allows them to track everything they're doing without adding additional steps to that process to what's already a hectic day. I'm sure. I think it's important to say that none of this technology is totally new. It was all here before the pandemic and the lockdown started. But of course, that fundamentally changed the use of it. So what difference, I guess, does locking all of this together and mastering those internal changes mean? I'd say the technology has been changing for more and more rapidly for the better part of the decade now with moderate adoption across the board, uh, some firms more than others. I, I would definitely say the legal market's been more hesitant to change than uh, than others. I think lockdown has just been the absolute catalyst to create the need to, to really modernize. It's, it was long overdue. Uh, a lot of firms are, have done things the same way for a really, really long time and, and changing that's hard, but it's it's not the end of the world that something has finally come along that's forced everyone to do it, which uh, previously it's, it's always been more of a choice. And uh, now that it is becoming more of a necessity, we are seeing that adoption increase like, quite dramatically. Yeah, I, I agree. And, to, you know, to highlight what you said there, Christina, about consolidating everything, locking it in all together in one place, you know, needless to say, anyone who's adopted a holistic system where everything is in that one place on one platform can make a very strong argument that those uh, are, are able to cope with this change far more seamlessly than those perhaps who'd had a, a more fractured setup. Yeah, I think that makes, I think that's true. I think that makes a lot of sense. So perhaps we can look now at client-facing technology and explore more about both the fundamental changes in that relationship, as well as what it means for commercial competition between firms. And again, I think there's a, there's a few aspects to this. The key ones are real-time client collaboration and self-serve portals. They're all pieces of the same puzzle insofar as offering clients a fundamentally better service that will increase standing as a competitive law firm. So can I ask you first to explain exactly what we mean by by real-time client collaboration? And actually, do we really mean real-time at any time? 
that's a really good point, actually. And, and you're, you're completely right. There's a big ambiguity when people say uh, real time. And do they mean the back and forth, which you essentially get with emails and calls? Or is it the actual real time interaction? Having a tool that does allow clients to interact directly, whether that's with not just the fee earner, but with, with the matter itself and their, their payments and things like that. This dramatically increases the customer experience. I mean, the, this feeds into the anytime question, which is actually huge. And, and not something that a lot of firms offer at the moment. Most clients are just as busy as solicitors. I mean, they don't have time nine to five to fill out a form or to pay a bill. If, if they can log in online and do these things totally out of hours and, and completely on their own and actually have an interaction with the system and have the system react back to them, then that's a real-time, anytime service. And it's we're, we're seeing more and more portals uh, evolve and come out and, and things get developed. And this is really catering to that style of, of sort of self-service client care, as it were. It is something that people are beginning to expect because you, you get it in all other aspects of life. Yeah, you know what? I, I really want to pick up on what he said there about the clients of solicitors because sometimes I think people in our industry forget that you know we're, we're providing a platform for solicitors, but it's also about their end user experience. And nine to five, I think, is something that's sort of breaking down now, but it's, it's still a concept. You know, you're working throughout the day and you don't have time to sort of go pay your invoice or even you know inquire about a new solicitor you might do it on your lunch break but then that's also the solicitor's lunch break as well you know as I mentioned earlier um, having worked with Leap to get the web portal out to the UK market some of the immediate requirements that we could see in the early stages of that research and development were the need to enable things like meeting booking um, form filling payments all of that without being in the office or even directly interacting with, with the clients or even the potential clients and those needs gave birth to the initial concept of the web portal to which, you know, I'm, I'm really pleased uh, and I'm very biased about it, but I'm very pleased to see that it's become a, a staple uh, of any good modern system. Self-service portal is absolutely a key to this. They're the enabling piece of technology which gives a client better service and transparency. Can we just get a bit nuts and bolts and describe how they work and ask the really important question of whether they're secure? I can only speak from the Leap perspective about how how they operate and how, you know, and about the, the security implications. But in our case, when we were building the web portal, we had just three main requirements in mind that had to be satisfied. One of those is that it had to be easy to use. Uh, obviously, an intuitive user experience is, is the most important thing when it comes to getting people, especially clients, to, to take up new technology. The second is it had to be of benefit to the firm as well. So, you know, they had to get a return. They had to see that they were removing some more duplication of their data entry, which, uh, you know, is something we've already touched upon as well. For example, if your client is filling out a form or paying a bill, you don't want to then take that and then log it yourself and replicate that data. So, you know, it sort of falls into that category of efficiency that we've mentioned already as well. Uh, and lastly, when you mentioned their security, the main benefit, again, in our case, is that anything on the cloud is secure. I mean, in our case, we, we host with, with AWS, so there's, uh, there's no doubt of the question security. So it's totally safe on that front. But above all, in this case, if you're granting access or a, a bridge to your system, you need to make sure that you're maintaining the integrity of the data in that system. So having a stage between capturing info from your clients and then having it actually added into your databases is crucial. This is, this is always a real sort of magic moment, as it were, especially when I'm speaking with firms. It's being able to offer all of these services without even having to have someone on the other end, clients who can look at calendars and, and book a meeting or a phone call, access documents, as I said, about actually directly integrating with the matter itself rather than the FIANA. And then they can also upload things and it goes straight back into that matter. There's no end to the, the things that people expect to do now, even, even electronically signed things. Like I, I get contracts through for various things now and it comes to my phone first. And I, the fact that I can sign that and finish it off my phone is, is, is huge. It's actually a, a pain thinking of something I have to go to my laptop to actually get on and do. 
and clients are more and more the same now. Above all, it's I, I would say, especially that around payments is, is a big thing. I touched on it a little bit earlier, but removing the fairly archaic method of, of calling up someone to pay your bill by card, then then take that digit down wrong is is just a is something that needs <laughs> needs to happen a little bit quicker than it is with with some firms. But it's having that option as just part of what you're using is, is really important. Financial regulations to add something like a card payment section to your website are astronomical. It's, it's insane. Like almost no law firm will actually have the time or the expertise to do that or, or want to spend the money on doing that, which is why the online payment portal is just part of the web portal that comes with Leap. It's an, it's an additional thing that the firms don't have to do. Like you, That's what we specialize in. Law firms are legal practice experts. That's what you specialize in. You shouldn't have to know exactly how all these things work in order to benefit from them. It's just something that's that's kind of standard and just works. I would definitely say people fall down that pit sometimes of thinking that they really have to know the ins and outs of it or have someone internally who knows how to how to build it in order to benefit from it. It's just not true. I mean, we live very much in a, in a world of managed services right now and, and your legal platform, your payment platform, they, they shouldn't be any different. Good. So we have all these pieces that are totally dependent on having good tech. So my question to you, if I was thinking of buying is, does this improve our competitiveness against other firms? Yeah, I actually really love this question. And um, I I always ask firms this question when I I go to see them as well. Uh, And it always evokes a lot of discussion, especially when it's when you ask if you actually directly ask a firm what they think makes them competitive, like what their competitive edge is over their competition and who their competition is. So I would say once upon a time, competition was far more on a far more local landscape. You use your local firm if you if you need legal services or someone that your family or your friends have recommended. They generally all live in the same area. So it'll be that local like question of proximity and recommendation. You want to be able to go and meet your solicitor, etc. So as the firm, you're competing with all the other firms within the same sort of catchment area. Now, what sets you apart is your level of service. That's always been true and and that always will be true, which is really, really important to remember. Technology definitely helps with this. If you can offer a more native feeling service to every single generation of client, whether that is the ones who much prefer to come and see you face to face or the ones who just want to do it over the phone or a Zoom, that's really going to make a big difference. Uh, But I would say for this newer generation, and these are people who are buying houses and getting divorced and things like that. So there's a big client base there. They are 10 times more likely, especially since the first lockdown now, to change that catchment area to the point where it's your local law firms to, to a more of a national landscape. Suddenly, the requirement of being close and being able to meet the solicitor face to face, that definitely evaporated overnight with lockdown. It became solely about the level of service. And the the level of service is what impacts your referrals. So again, the competition, it has been changing for a while, but I would definitely say in lockdown, it spiked and, and completely went from that who's my local firm to which is the best firm to use for what I'm doing. And who you ask, you ask family and friends. And people more and more now, your family and friends are spread throughout the country. It's people you went to university with or people who you worked with previously and and people move. It's a lot, we're a lot less homogenous in in where we're from now. So people's networks generally are just a lot larger. Uh, I would say... Now, for me especially, I, I like I personally don't care if the firm is opposite my house or in Newcastle. Lockdown saw a big shift in this, and that's that's going forward. I think people are just going to be more happy to pick services based on what the services are like rather than how local they are to me. And as long as you know you're going to get that level of service that they're expecting, where you are necessarily, I reckon, doesn't matter quite as much as it did once upon a time. If you can offer that purely remote service, obviously only if that's what they want, then then all the better. Plus, if you're if you don't have any recommendations from like the first thing I do. But if I ever needed a lawyer and I wasn't didn't work in the legal industry, I would ask family and friends for recommendations. And if they've got nothing, you, you just Google it, wouldn't you? Yeah, literally, you Google. So, uh, and what are you going to see there? You're going to see reviews from from people who you don't know recommending a firm based on their service. And and where they are doesn't matter nearly as much. 
I agree with everything you're saying there because, you know, I've been in a similar scenario, even again, before the pandemic, I think I, I was sort of working with my conveyancer when I wasn't even in this country when I, when I bought a house. So, you know, I, I definitely agree with all of that and it's very valid now, but we're at a stage where people are going to start going back to the office. You know, banks are forecasting the largest economic growth in something like 60 years and traditional forms firms, sorry, who have weathered the storm could well come back to that typical way of working. Despite all those good things you're saying about increasing your radius, your catchment area, no longer having to consider yourself as just local. Are you saying that people in need of a solicitor won't be interested in going back to face-to-face meetings as well? No, obviously people are always going to value that face-to-face interaction. I mean, for a lot of services, it's just human nature. But the I, I think it's worth considering that the permanent shift in mentality the lockdown has caused, not just the immediate effects. Obviously, we're, we're technically coming out of it now. More and more people are in the office and, and, and you can go back to normal in that way. But uh, I think what we'll see is that many, many more people are perfectly happy to give that up if it means a better service or especially if it's at a better price as well. Don't forget that having face-to-face, how have you been doing your face-to-face meetings the last year? Zoom, FaceTime. There, there is a lot of effects of lockdown down, which we we haven't quite yet seen. And I think that shift in mentality is going to be the biggest one, especially further down the line where people are going to realize that I can still have that, Not obviously not quite the same as, as in person, but I can still get a lot of that communication no matter where we are. And that, that mentality is definitely going to become a higher proportion than what it used to be. The elephant in the room is always cost in any conversation that you have on this subject. Taking these steps can sound very expensive and a bit risky. But firms who've made the jump that you're talking about have actually come across as very confident that the costs are just simply the normal ones of building a business and the returns have more than justified the investment. From my point of view, yeah, absolutely. When it it comes down to investing money in anything, there's always a reason. And when you you follow all the different reasons, they all lead back to the same place. And that's an increase in profitability. And that has to include the cost of whatever it is that you're you're buying or you're investing in. So literally just return on investment is what everyone is looking for when they're subscribing to a new technology. If you're if you're looking for efficiency, it's to reduce non-billable time. If you're looking to hire another support staff member, again, it's to save your fee and a time so that they can spend their time on actually billable work. If you're looking at a better client experience, it's to attract more clients. The main thing that you always need to be conscious of is that your return on investment. If your systems didn't pay for themselves and, and, and then some, we'd have no business. Leap has around 2,500 firms now, and that's just in England and Wales alone, uh, which means of the legal landscape, it's about one in four firms now use Leap. So the chances are every firm knows a firm or knows someone who works at a firm that use Leap, which is a huge market presence. And if Leap didn't make those firms earn more money, obviously factoring in the cost of Leap, then we'd have no business at all. It's always that return on investment, and, and clearly it works. I mean, the retention rate for Leap is incredibly high, actually. I think it's around sort of 95, 96%, which is very, it's actually, that's abnormally high for a SaaS, for a SaaS provider. Uh, and that's all down to a demonstrated track record on returning on that investment. Our overwhelming reason for why firms sort of don't renew with Leap is firms merging with other Leap firms or people retiring, things like that, which is a really nice story, actually, when you think about it. The, the whole point of, of these new technologies and services is that at the end of the day, everyone wins. Generally, if, if, if adopting a new system can save your fee earners an hour a month of their, of their time and they actually spend that on billable work, it's basically pay for itself. And that, that probably goes for almost every system, case management and account system anyway. With Leap, we've just averaged it out that it actually saves you anywhere between 10, 15, 20 hours a month. And so you, 
you need to spend what 10% of that time that you've saved on actual billable work to pay for itself. And then you've got all the rest of that time. So some firms obviously save just that much time on things like emailing. I mean, most firms that I speak to lose anywhere between 15 and 30 minutes every single day, just on filing emails away, save them to the file. And, and the more you do it, you really you think that that's just part of your day and it's part of the job. But if you actually tally that up at the end of the day, end of the week, end of the month, the sheer amount of time that you're losing on filing emails away, when, when the technology is there, as Christian, you mentioned it earlier, like none of this is new. It's been around for years and really good technology to just streamline your day and cut out those repetitious tasks you don't like. They've been a differentiator for a long time, but they're going to go from being something that's nice to have to something you need to have in order to remain competitive. We, we've actually seen during the pandemic, the amount of, sort of really large traditional firms that just were weren't set up to, to weather that storm and it shifted. Yeah, going forward, I think that conscious effort on, on just how much time you're saving is going to become more and more apparent. You know, you're talking when you talk about time saving with things like emails and that internal stuff, you know, again, going on that two-sided coin you mentioned earlier about client experience, internal collaboration. It's also things like having payment reminders going out without any direct interaction from your staff. So fee earners don't have to worry about chasing up for an unpaid invoice. It just sort of goes out automatically. It prompts the client who then can go and pay that on their mobile in the evening in their own time, all without any direct interaction from you or your staff members, right? Like any good business idea, if, if you can make someone's life just a little bit more convenient, then you're on to win. And that goes for everything in life, all major business innovations and technology innovations that have come out, especially in the last, like fairly recently, or even historically, actually, if you just make that one person's life a little bit easier, then they'll buy it. It's, uh, it's, it's <laughs> this, this, this is why I like, I, I like working with you, Alex, because of your, your passion and your ability to to put it into into words like that clearly you know you, you feel very strongly about it i think we all do and it's really compelling everything you're saying as to why someone should adopt technology like this there are many many reasons to it and it is hard to try and condense them but everything's been brought into a much sharper focus now i mean personally i'm one for a, an analogy uh, when you buy something for yourself you know relating to the idea of investment and cost and how much it's worth and its value you're fully aware that if you buy something cheap you will you will end up buying it twice. Opt for that cheaper option. You're going to be looking for a new provider soon. You're going to be incurring further costs and uh, and the valuable time that you you know you've already invested elsewhere in training on a new platform. You know you're just recycling this um, this bad habit over and over. You know going back to what what you're asking there, Christina, about cost. It, it is a factor for any business, but investing more in the right solution means that you have something that will serve you well. It will help your business grow and. I, you know, I think I'm speaking for Alex as well when we say our advice to anyone, really, and it does apply to anything in life, is that you invest in things that you use every day. You get uh, a good bed, a good chair, and if you're going to be using a bit of software five days a week or even longer, then you get one that makes your life easier and it really helps you. I agree. And I think that's an excellent place to end this conversation. So is there anything else that either of you would like to add before we finish? Just, just if to, to wrap it up, like, has technology fundamentally changed the practice of law? Yeah, undoubtedly. And is it going to change it even more in the, in the future? 100%. I don't think anybody can disagree with that. And it all comes back to pick a system or pick a software, whatever it is that, that you trust. And it really can become an integral part of how your firm operates and how your firm grows, which I think is, is on everyone's mind as well. Uh, I mean, there's, there's a very good reason that people generally only change these things once in a generation. And that's traditionally means that a lot of firms have, have frankly, just outdated solutions. I'm sure many people watching the, the system you're using right now, if you've had it for a long time, there's a very good chance that it's the same as it was five, 10 years ago. But more modern cloud systems, they're, they're, and there are plenty around now, 
The idea is that they develop with the time, they develop with the need and they adapt based on how the current, the world currently works. That's the, the main difference between sort of that product versus service mentality. And, and every quarter they're, they're kind of brand new. You're never going to find yourself in a situation where, where you're using something that is out of date and that you find potentially lagging behind the rest of the market. It's, uh, and a lot of the time people aren't aware of this because they've used the same system for, the, for such a long time. They assume everybody else's as well. But technology has moved on so quickly in the last, I'd say, five years especially, but in the legal market at least. Obviously, everything that we've spoken about, we've only had this exposure due to working for Leap, where we get to see firsthand all the kind of situations and setups. And, and nothing would shock me at this point when I, when I some, some law firms I go into and see how they're still working. Uh, obviously, if you do want to hear more about this, please do reach out to us. We, do, we actually just want to hear a bit more about how your setup works for you, but more, and then we'll go into how a good system really could be helping you and, and actually ch probably change how you work and take out a lot of the parts of your day you're probably not that fond of. I mean, even if it's just to go through some practical hurdles that you're facing, as we'd love to hear from you, chances are we've, we've come across them before and uh, we, we might just have a solution. As Alex already said there, we've you know, come across it before and the Leap system does do everything that we've discussed here. So if anyone wanted to see a demonstration of the software, they just reach out to us and we can arrange that for them. Thank you. And I think that's a great place to end today's webinar. My thanks to Adrian and Alex for being with us today and to you for listening. If there is anything that you would like to know more about or discuss further, then you can contact us on digitalsolicitor at leap.co.uk. Until next time, stay safe, stay positive. Okay.